the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Welcome to His Life Revealed with Pastor Todd Granger of His Life Fellowship in San Antonio, Texas. We're glad you've chosen to join us today. Our passion at His Life Ministries is to help believers know Him and show Him. So we keep it simple. It's just about Jesus. Our prayer is that the Holy Spirit will make His truth plain to you so you can walk in freedom and enjoy the life of union that God has designed for you to live. And now, here's Pastor Todd. I appreciate your prayers as we approach this ending of chapter 4 of the book of Hebrews because we're going to begin to talk about Jesus, our high priest. And it is a powerful point that the Holy Spirit makes to illustrate the superiority of the new covenant over Judaism. And my study of this has been very impactful and moving It's been moving for me because I believe that Jesus reveals his incredible, intimate connection with us and his role as high priest. We don't realize that because the majority of us are Gentiles and have little appreciation for that role. But that's the truth. Actually, what he instituted in Israel in terms of the high priest's role was but a shadow, a shadow of what he was going to gloriously put in place, not just for the Jew, but for everyone who would call unto him. Let's read our text for today, Hebrews chapter 4, verses 14 through 16. Inasmuch then as we believers have a great high priest who has already ascended and passed through the heavens. Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold fast our confession of faith and cling tenaciously to our absolute trust in him as Savior. For we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize and understand our weaknesses and temptation, but one who has been tempted knowing exactly how it feels to be human in every respect as we are, yet without committing any sin. Therefore, let us with privilege approach the throne of grace, that is, the the throne of God's gracious favor with confidence and without fear so that we may receive mercy for our failures and find his amazing grace to help us in time of need. An appropriate blessing coming just at the right time. May God bless the reading of his word. As I said, it's very important that you know Jesus as our high priest. And you will note that this is addressed to believers. This is not about seeing Jesus from a Jewish perspective. 
This is about seeing our relationship with him in its true light. Let's look at verse 14. It says, Inasmuch then as we believers have a great high priest who has already ascended and passed through the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold fast our confession of faith, cling tenaciously to our absolute trust in him as Savior. Now notice the word we have, not we will have. But we actually have, we possess at this very moment. He is ours. I am his and he is mine. The believing Hebrew needed to know that all that Israel had was but a shadow of the substance to come. We have the true, as believers, we have the true sanctuary. We have the true sacrifice. We have the true altar. We have the true mercy seat. We have the one greater than the temple and the go-between and mediator and ambassador between us and God. That's 1 Timothy 2.5. We have the great high priest. Jesus is his earthly name. That's the name given him at birth. And then it follows with his title and his identity. He is both man and God in one. This is very important to recognize. As our high priest, he represents God to man. He represents an intimate connection between man and God because he is both God and man. This relationship allows us to know God in a way that creature and creation could never know because we now share his life. Do you see the purpose in that? You see, God is making it very clear to us that This is not a distant relationship. He said from the very beginning that he wanted fellowship to man. Man was created for fellowship and not fellowship as we interpret it, not in that shallow, congenial way that a lot of people interpret fellowship, but an intimate fellowship where we meet on all points where he is able to know us better than we know ourselves, and we're able to know him in the capacity of someone who shares his life. The only union that we can compare that to is the physical union between man and wife, and we know how dismally that has failed to truly represent what God has given us. God wanted intimacy with man, this connection that Jesus brought, he took into heaven. He took the yoke, the union of flesh and God, and he put it upon the throne. God put it upon the throne and said, that's man. That is how I created man to be. And he said it was good. Jesus is Jesus, don't misunderstand me. But the union is what man was created to participate in. As our high priest, he represents both God and man. He entered heaven. He ascended the heavens into the presence of God. He entered heaven after the perfect completion of all that the triune God had conceived before the foundations of the earth were formed. He accomplished what no other high priest could. He perfected the priesthood. He brought man and God together not just in agreement, but in union. The high priest before him could not do that. They could only present a picture of what he was to accomplish. Every year, 
another Yom Kippur, another day of atonement. Year after year, sacrifice after sacrifice to cleanse or to cover man's sin for just one year. A temporary solution to deal with man's sin. Our high priest, Jesus, was, has sanctified us by one sacrifice forever. He, by his blood, redeemed us for eternity, made us new, gave us new life through his spirit, clothed us with his righteousness. 1 Corinthians 6.11 But you were washed by the atoning sacrifice of Christ. You were sanctified, set apart for God, and made holy. You were justified, declared free of guilt in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and in the Holy Spirit of God, the source of the believer's new life. You were changed completely. Your behavior was changed. The penalty has been paid. It is finished forever. There's nothing more needed. Nothing more needed for those of us who have been washed in the blood. Our sins, God declares, he will remember no more. There is now no condemnation. We have been made new and fit to be a temple for his habitation. Now we have a life to live in the fullness of his love and eternity to expand in all that he created us to be. And God took every man and placed him upon this earth. Every man that he knew that he was going to bring into the fullness of union with himself. And life began when Christ became your life. And he placed you on this earth that you might live this life by faith. And in the process of living this life, you might expand in the completed work of Christ, knowing all that he made you to be by virtue of his grace, by virtue of his mercy. You're not here to learn to master this world. You're not here to afford excellence for your flesh or your humanity. You're not here even to do the work for God. He doesn't need it. You're here to grow and expand in all that he created you to be by faith. Faith says the world is against me. Faith says my body is against me. Faith says my mind, will, and emotions choose against the truth. Faith says it doesn't matter. I will believe. I will determine to walk in all that God made me to be. That is God's desire. That's God's plan for the new creation. His return to heaven told the whole spiritual world that the work of Christ was done. And the Father's will was done. Then in 70 A.D., Jerusalem was destroyed and the sacrifices ceased. Jesus was the perfect sacrifice, the slain lamb that had taken away the sin of the world. And the sacrificial system became obsolete. Jesus entered the Holy of Holies and sat down. On the Day of Atonement, the priest would take the blood and pass through three doors. He would go through the door of the outer court through the door of the holy place, through the veil of the holy of holies. God, our great high priest, Jesus, our great high priest, has passed through the heavens. 
The first heaven is the atmospheric heaven, what the Bible refers to as the clouds. The second heaven is the stellar heaven, what the Bible refers to as the stars of heaven. And the third heaven is where God dwells. Paul alludes to it in 2 Corinthians 12, 2. He says, I know a man who 14 years ago, whether in the body I do not know, or out of the body I do not know, only God knows, such a man was caught up to the third heaven. Where did he go? Into the presence of God. The priest of Israel entered the earthly temple, and uh, he has entered into heaven's glory. Exalted and glorious, the angels bow before him and worship him. The high priest of the Old Testament bore on his breast a breastplate, and on it were inscribed the names of the tribes of Israel. On his shoulder, the place of strength, he wore onyx stones in which were inscribed the names of the people. That's in Exodus chapter 28. And our great high priest, the Son of God, entered heaven's glory, bearing on his breast the names of his people. On his shoulder, the names of his people. But here's what's more. Everyone who would receive him, everyone that God knew through time and eternity would come to him, entered heaven in Christ and sat down at the mercy seat. That's right. You were in him. This glorious high priest took you, walked into heaven's place, and you have so been made right with the Father, and the price has been so paid before him that you were seated next to the Holy of Holies, next to the God, the glorious, magnificent God, the Father on high. It's hard to believe when you look in the mirror, isn't it? It's the truth. Jesus, our high priest, the resurrected Jesus, came into heaven's glory with us, us in Christ. Now, there were no chairs in the earthly temple, only a mercy seat, right? And the priests would never sit on that, and they never sat because their work was never done. The resurrected Jesus sprinkled blood, his blood, on the divine mercy seat and sat down. Why? Because it was finished. The work was done. He says, let us hold fast. The Greek interpretation of that word, hold fast, is to have power, empowered to hold, to seize with a mighty grip. It's not the branch that holds on to the vine. It's the vine that holds on to the branch. To hold fast to the confession is to allow the truth of God in you to be manifest to literally appropriate God's hold on you. We so often think that his hold is, is loose, almost like that little bit of gum wrapper that you hold in your hand, you don't care whether it falls out or not. No. What is pictured here is a tenacious grip, something precious God will never let hold of. You are held by him. He says, let us hold fast with a mighty grip to our confession. And we talked about this word in Bible study the other night. That's homologia. 
And it means to say the same as. To say the same as who? Jesus. What does Jesus say about you? Do you know? I've said it often enough. What has he declared about you? I'm not talking about the words that you declare over your soul when you're angry with your mistakes and your failures. I'm not talking about the words that you repeat after hearing the accuser say them over and over again. I'm not talking about the words that others might use to describe you. I'm not talking about the words that your own parents may describe you with. I am talking about God eternal, His words for His children. How does He see you? In Christ. Clothed in the righteousness of Christ. As he sees us as his own. And he is our high priest. Let's look at verse 15. For we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize and understand our weaknesses and temptations. But one who has been tempted knowing exactly how to feel, how it feels to be human in every respect as we are yet without committing sin. Now, I've looked at this and... I realize that in the Amplified, they're taking the Greek and they're coming up with their own expression or a clear expression of what they believe that the Scripture is trying to tell us. I'm not going to take exception with it, except that it tends to humanize God's feelings towards us. That's a dangerous thing, because human feelings are limited and they're based in behavior and perception. God loves us. Is it because we're lovable? Right? You see, if you go with the human interpretation of these things, it's very easy to miss the point that's being made in Scripture. Jesus is not a distant high priest. The high priests of Israel were distant. They were not warm and fuzzy. But he is our life. For us, he is our life. We are one spirit with him. 1 Corinthians 6.17 I am an expression of the life of Christ because he is my life. I am a partaker of the divine nature. How could he not feel sympathy towards me? In the Greek, it means to feel for, to have compassion for. You see, here's the thing, guys. He doesn't identify with your sin. He identifies with your struggle but probably not in the way you think. He knows my weaknesses and temptations. But as one who has never sinned, he knows the temptations. He knowing exactly how it feels to be human in every respect. Now, it's important that we understand that Christ's sympathy with us is not like your neighbor's sympathy with him. It's not like two women talking about childbirth. It's not like two men talking about the horrors of war. It's not us identifying with our earthly issues. Jesus came here as man, born as man, possessing the life of God, right? Now, as man possessing the life of God, what do you believe he would identify, who would he identify with, the lost or the saved? Who would he identify with? The saved. Why? Because every temptation that comes to the child of God comes via the flesh to put a, put a separation between the truth of you and the deception of the body that says, I am flesh. 
It puts a wedge between the truth. It would put you living in a duality that says, well, yeah, I'm part flesh and I'm part spirit. No, the body is not you. And the greatest temptation that the enemy can bring is to somehow make you believe that the body is you. And if he can make you believe that the body is you, is there any temptation that you're not vulnerable to? Is there? No, there isn't. So how can Jesus identify with us? Look at the temptation. When Jesus started his ministry, did the enemy come along and say, hey, how would you like to steal from that guy over there? How would you like to lie to that woman over there? How would you like to take from the government? How would you like to, you know, lie and steal and cheat and do all of these things? How, did, is that what the enemy said? No, the enemy tempted him to be God apart from the Father. To act as God apart from the Father. Let me break it down for you. To act independently of the Father. You following me there? Jesus is your high priest. And he identifies with your temptations. How does he identify with your temptations? The way he identifies with your temptations is that he knows exactly what it means to be tempted to be independent, to be tempted to operate after the appetites of the flesh, to seek after the things of this world, to believe that the body is him, to look for glory among men, to try to establish his security on this earth, to try to conquest and to live to his flesh. He understood all of those things in this respect. That every temptation that came against him came against who he was and who he is. Do you understand that? The enemy doesn't care what sin he pulls you into because if he can pull you into one sin, he's just pulled you in to living according to the flesh. Right? and you live according to the flesh, it could be just one simple thing, but then it just keeps growing. Because every sin comes against the flesh. To have a high priest that is sympathetic for us is not somebody that says, hey buddy, I know how you feel. That's not the... And I hear it said so often. Well, you know, Jesus knows how you feel. Yet, Jesus knows what it is to struggle against self-pity. How about that one? Jesus knows what it is to identify your life according to the flesh, to be tempted to do that. And Jesus said, I have made a way for you. I have given you a new life. I have seated you with myself. I have made you a new creation. I have given you victory over all these things. I have set the captives free. I have cut the chains away from your life. Now you can step forward in righteousness, in victory, absolutely free into the truth of who you are, or you can step into self-imposed bondage. The truth sets you free. Your choice. What do you choose? We tend to make this whole thing very man-centered. But I believe it's about that struggle of identity. It's a struggle of someone who is drawn by the enemy, the body, and the world to define his life by the soul or body rather than by his union with Christ. He mentions weaknesses and temptations. Where are you weak? 
In the body. Where are you tempted? In the body. Where are we called to live? In Christ. The life that I live in the body, I live by faith. Romans 8, 5 says, For those who are living according to the flesh set their minds on the things of the flesh which gratify the body. But those who are living according to the Spirit set their minds on the Spirit, the things of the Spirit, His will, His purpose. The enemy tempted Jesus to live independently from the truth, to walk according to the flesh rather than by the Spirit. In the garden, the soul of Jesus waged war against his path of obedience. His own soul turned against him, and his body began to break down under the strain. But he would not abandon the will of God. Our high priest can identify with the pull against our identity. He can sympathize with the struggle against the appetites of the body. He understands our weaknesses. When Paul called out to him concerning his weaknesses, 2 Corinthians 12, 9, but he said to me, I understand how you feel. It's okay, Paul. You probably just need to go get counseling. There's probably a program for you somewhere. Just study your Bible and memorize some scripture and it'll be okay. Is that in there? You would think so. He said to me, hey, Paul, my grace is sufficient for you. My loving kindness, my mercy are more than enough, always available. He didn't say go find it, did he? He said, in every situation for my power is being perfected. That's ongoing. Thank you for joining us for His Life Revealed with Pastor Todd Granger. This program is the radio ministry of His Life Fellowship in San Antonio, Texas. If you'd like to know more about us, visit us on the web at hislifeministries.org or on Facebook at His Life Fellowship. We would love to have you join us for worship. We meet on Saturdays at 5 p.m. at 1307 Blanco Woods at the corner of Blanco Road, and Blanco Woods, just inside Loop 1604. Also, if you would like to help support this ministry, you can send your tax-deductible donation to His Life Ministries, P.O. Box 1894, Bernie, Texas, 78006. Star General Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.